the four-wheel chase experience. I love it. The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. If I get something saying that, you know, the, the Cubs have a beat writer position open, I'm going to go, hell yeah, let's go write for Will Chase's favorite team, and then we'll go yeah. that, that route. And if, the, if, the, if I apply for the Richmond Flying Squirrels internship, I'm going to follow in the, the footsteps <laughs> of Will Chase. So I, all of, there's a lot of options. You know, I'm not in a position where I could be picky or selective. So um, I guess we're just going to have to see. But. Steven Risotto, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on, Will? Um, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, this is the show that Jeff Young is always on, so I feel like I'm in pretty awesome company. I know you've had a few other cool guests, but uh, yeah, happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. Uh, what you got going on for the holidays? What's your uh, What's on your agenda over the next week or so? Yeah, what's on my agenda? That's a good question. There's a lot going on, I feel. Um, obviously, I got to straighten up. Um house for you know people coming over there. um <laughs> that's something that is yeah. on my top priority list and then we'll probably get a haircut at some point either today or tomorrow you know because i always think of the uh the christmas pictures um and and how i'm gonna present myself in those and that's important i also haven't had a haircut in like two months so it's time um what else do i got going on i i mean uh, obviously some podcasting. I did one today with Tyler Hall and shutdown inning. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm not in school right now. I'm on break, so that's good. So, uh, I'll, I'll find ways to be productive, but, uh, I'm sure by the end of the break, then I'll, I'll be sick of just myself. So what about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I'm out of work for the next week plus, uh, like you said, podcasting, I've really slacked on it this year, but I've kind of gotten back into it over the last, you know, I did a couple over the last few weeks and, uh, yeah, just, uh, trying to get back into it, kind of, you know, have fun with it again, hanging out, uh, doing the holiday, typical Christmas type stuff. So I'm just looking forward to it. It's like the best time right now to just relax and not have to do anything too stressful. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's, I feel like, you know, when when you're stressed out during the holiday season, it's a recipe for disaster and nobody needs that. So I'm glad that glad that all is well in the Will Chase world. Oh, exactly. And same to you. Before we get into like the baseball stuff. So we've been I've been talking about doing like a podcast with you for a while. So I finally, you know, made good on that. <laughs> we finally are doing that now, obviously. But I obviously was, you know, checking out what you've been doing over the last I don't know. I think you've been doing the Rizzo cast now for what, three years now, 2020 or so. And that's about when I started kind of messing around with podcasting also. Uh, did you get into it uh, in part because it was COVID or was it, I mean, media is like your career or career aspirations, right? Yeah. I, I would say COVID had a big thing to do with it. Uh, we were just talking about how like I'll be on break and I'll have to soon be at the point where I have to figure out what to do with myself. And that's kind of where I was with COVID. You know, it was May, uh, kind of, you know, a, a few months into just the, the hell storm where everything was quiet. Nobody was leaving their house, shelter in place, all that. And I had kind of always wanted to do a podcast of some sort. Uh, I, you know, 
tinkered around with doing a few episodes by myself here and there and nothing really stuck and I didn't really I, I really wanted to do it with guests I, I really wanted to have guests on whether that be my friends or uh, track down some more people and like zoom doing classes from zoom uh, for school kind of like opened me up to hey like multiple people could get on this call um I could do it for the first like 40 minutes. And with my school email, I had more than 40 minutes. So I had the premium account. So I was like, okay, we could do this for a little bit longer. And, um, and, uh, I, I ended up getting a chance to, uh, I first wanted it to be pretty much high school and college players to come on and talk about how they've kind of been going through COVID and all of that. And then I kind of had the chance to expand it a little bit more, uh, which is really awesome, but yeah, pretty much out of boredom during COVID and also, it's a chance for me to get my reps in. Um, I put a lot of stock in interview interviewing. I think interviewing is kind of a building block of journalism. And if you read a good article with good reporting, the the way you get good reporting is by asking the right questions. And I think it's beneficial for me to constantly get reps in at asking questions. And here we are about 160 episodes later, and I'm still asking questions. Yeah, I would say you're probably one of the few people that I guess I know or at least interacted with in this, you know, podcasting sense of someone that does similar to what I was doing or am doing in terms of the interview format. Because, you know, for me, I never thought of it as a podcast. I really just thought of it as a cool way to just chat with people in the industry, baseball or whatever sport. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't believe it when it was like 2016 and I was talking with Jerry Krasnick, who was with ESPN at the time. And um, I just asked him on Facebook chat, I think it was, and he was like agreeable. And I was like, holy crap, like this is like seriously happening. So and it was just a phone conversation. And this was, you know, um, literally me on the phone with him and trying to figure out how am I going to record this conversation and all this stuff. And then over the last, you know, three years ago, when I started just like you with uh, during COVID, I started really, you know, learning and studying like how other people do it in terms of online software and uh, a specific mic or uh, the best way to, you know, make the audio sound good. Because at the time it was just literally getting sound or just doing it, just having a conversation and just trying to figure out, okay, here's audio. And now it's like, okay, now I'm trying to up the quality of this or how to do that. But uh, yeah, as far as Krasnick and Dan Shulman, I mean, I see all your guests also. So obviously you're, you're in the same similar boat in terms of having so many different guests. And I mean, half the time I'm wondering, like, how'd you get like, who was it, Ron Wotus that you had on or like different people in, in sports and uh, on the Giants or affiliated with the Giants or whatever the case may be. I don't know. You don't don't give away any secrets, obviously. I know you won't. But uh, are you are you credentialed or are you just basically having the same kind of luck and opportunity of like finding ways to ask people and then they come on? Yeah, I get that question asked quite a bit. And um, I'm credentialed at Oracle Park. I've been credentialed the last two years. I've had a full season credential uh, from SF Bay where I do some game stories. Uh, I don't know how much of that I'm going to be doing next year just because of where the website is. Um, But it's very, very rare that I get someone based off of that, based off the credentials. Um, Usually me getting someone pertains to, you know, you know, I, I, I introduce myself as someone who covers the Giants for SF Bay or, or whatnot. Uh, and I mentioned that I have a podcast, but I don't really use the credential to get podcast guests. The Ron Wotus one's interesting because 
the big thing for me is finding emails. Uh, and I, I think maybe this is beneficial to you, I'm sure, but finding emails has been super important. And there's so many people that I've reached out to over the course of three years. And there's been so many people that have ghosted me over the course of three years. And it's, it's all about finding emails and finding current emails. And I was, I found Ron Wotus's email. Um, and the cool thing about being credentialed uh, for, for last season and the year before is I did the podcast with Wotus, I believe might've been during an off day or something. And then when the giants came back into town, Ron is a special assistant for the giants. He's in the press box. That's where he does his work during games, but he suits up before games and still works the fungos and everything. And I saw him before the game and I was like, Hey, you know, we had a good conversation. I'm Steven Risotto from the podcast that you just did last week. And then he was like, Riz. And you know, we've had a good relationship ever since. And that's how it starts, to be honest. I think people respect and, you know, people respect that, you know, you and I are, are people that aren't going to quit in terms of reaching out to people and we're go-getters. We kind of have a, a vision for our podcast and I feel like it's respectable among people in the, in the field. Um, cause once you kind of, you know, display yourself as a grinder, um, to say the least, I feel like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna benefit. And that's what, what's happened with me. And it's a lot of people not getting back. Like I've gotten really lucky with people that have gotten back, but there's a ton of other people that I could list off that haven't, uh, or have flat out declined. Um, I won't name names in that department, but we could talk off air, but, um, <laughs> Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. It's still hard. I mean, there's stretches where I go through, as I'm sure you do too, just trying to get people. And, you know, you, you send out eight emails, you schedule eight emails for the morning because a lot of my prep work is done in the wee hours of the night. And that's not a good time to send an email. And uh, I'll, I'll like <laughs> right. schedule like eight emails for like 9 a.m. And then I get nothing, um, which happens. But, uh, and, and it's good because I usually mix the people that I have met at the ballpark, like other media. Uh, people that I'm familiar with or I've had a conversation with, but um, it's been good. But I wouldn't say I would say it's been a lot of like me, either someone I know having to go through them to get to the person, or just emailing and you know sometimes social media. Social media is a hit or miss, uh, but usually try to yeah. find the right email. Yeah, it's interesting because for me it was all. I would say predominantly it's been Twitter DM, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is just incredibly lucky for me. Or or if I can't DM them, I'll at them. Like, I mean, it's it, it hasn't been very often recently, but like the best example of that would be like Dan Shulman was, uh, was I was listening to Waddle and Sylvia ESPN 1000 Chicago sports show like three years ago, I think 2020. And uh, Dan Shulman was literally talking with them. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to get Dan Shulman on the pod. So I added him on Twitter and a couple hours later, he was like, yeah, let's do it. Or I, I you know, I, yeah, sure. So <laughs> I was talking to Dan Shulman or like John Forslund, the NHL broadcaster for the Kraken and TNT. Same thing. Added, added him on Twitter. He followed me and was like, yeah, let's do it. So, I mean, I've gotten super lucky. Um, I, I honestly, I, I really haven't had too many rejections. It's probably been more either they agree to it or I just don't hear back, but I've I've only had a few outright um, denials, and they've all been very them. nice and courteous. But and you do, and I was going to bring that one up. But uh, before I bring that one up, uh, do you remember Mark Appel, the former number one uh, draft pick in baseball? Mm -hmm. um, he was cool. It was actually when he was making his comeback, I believe, about a year or so ago. Uh, I hit him up during a time in which he was obviously 
you know, I think he was sharing his story and making his comeback. And so he was already getting probably blown up for interviews, but he was like really cool with his, uh, with his response back. But, uh, yeah, Bob Costas was the best one. Um, that's the one that you're referring to, right? <laughs> yes, of course. And the, the best one, the best thing about Bob, the best thing about that rejection was just the way that he, he did it in terms of this, I mean, you just hear his voice in his email, and that itself made it worth it. I mean, it would have been one thing if I just didn't hear back, or if he was just... I mean, it, it would have been cool to talk with him, but I think that story alone is is even better. And uh, I don't know if you know this part, but the ESPN 1000 uh, radio station I was just talking about, um, <laughs> so they, have, like, they had a segment uh, a year or so ago, literally about a year ago, or over a year ago now. Um, they would always play... Uh, you know, the, the soundtrack going into one of these bits that they would do and or segments that they would do. And Bob Costas was one of the uh, like the voiceovers during the the intro to that segment. And I was about to literally go outside and take a walk or whatever. And then I hear them talking about because I had told one of the producers for the, the show because I had just talked with him and showed him the Bob Costas rejection email shortly after that. And so I was about to go outside and they're they're doing whatever on the radio and then I hear them talking about the very the very reaction uh, the very, you know, uh you know, situation with me and Bob and I had to stop and listen. I was just like laughing because, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be like broadcasted literally. So, uh, the only, and, uh, like a very slight part of me was like, I hope Bob isn't listening to this, but I never heard anything. So it was fine. But it was literally like that story was actually <laughs> broadcasted on the radio, but, um, uh, it was just so funny the way he did it. And it was also funny too, because my friend jokes with me about this, but, uh, it was funny because, uh, I remember Bob sent me the email back and I was just reading it like astonished, just reading it. And I was like, wow, like literally reading this, this rejection that only Bob could write. And, uh, I remember thinking, I got to email back. Like I got to reply back to this. And it took me like three weeks. I was finally like, oh yeah, I got to get back to Bob. And my friend was giving me a, <laughs> he was joking with me about it, but he was like, yeah, it's kind of like you're like two timing Bob. Like I, I have to make time to get back to him. But I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, no worries. Like I get it. I was just, you know, be quoted, you know, I was just like, it'd be cool to just chat, you know, sports, but no big deal. And I told him that I had seen him live here in Richmond, Virginia, uh, 2019, because he was here doing a whatever speaking engagement type thing and so he said oh yeah you know it's great to go to richmond and so we had like a cool little back and forth chat through email but uh i also feel like he was kind of butthurt uh following the 2022 postseason because he had done uh i think it was yankees and guardians or one of the playoff series and you know how bob is you know he's kind of a lightning rod anyway and people either kind of love or hate his broadcasting style and a lot of people are critical of him so this was like right after that and he had even said in his uh his email back he said i usually do stuff and do requests like this but i've decided to kind of uh, I'm paraphrasing it, but he was like, I, I decided to step or to not do these anymore just because it's like, no matter what I might say, things will be misconstrued and this or that. And so, um, I got where I, I understood where he was coming from, but I kind of think it was partly due to the fact that he knew that <laughs> there's a chance, not that this would have happened and I wouldn't have done anything obviously, but just someone takes some piece of audio and misconstrues it. But I was thinking like, I'm not even big enough for anyone to do that. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone there, <laughs> but I got where he was coming from. <laughs> Yeah, you have a Bob Costas story, and I think um, I I don't I can't remember like a rejection that there's there's been like a few rejections that I've had where it's like it, it's almost like like one time I reached out to someone I won't say who, 
and like uh, another person responded who apparently takes care of that stuff for that person and the first thought was they're big enough to have this like i <laughs> i think i have more followers than them like they have an assistant here like it didn't yeah some people you know I understand though. I, you know, I, I don't take it. I don't take yeah. hard feelings. Um, I, I don't have hard feelings. I should right. say, but, uh, it, it's definitely something that, that takes time to figure out a good message to send out. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like, I, I like the idea of having someone on who maybe is, isn't even the best star. Like, I mean, if you look at my guests, it's a lot of people that are kind of obscure, like Eric Young Jr., and Russ Ortiz and yep. Sean Estes and Casey McGee, but names. Like these are, that, yeah, yeah. Th- these are immaculate grid names that I like because I had a baseball card of them. They were in every pack. Uh, you know, I've been trying to get Nate Sheerholtz on for a long time. I mean, th- these are the type of players that former yeah. Cub, by the way, who who went off in Chicago. I think he had a twenty home yeah. run year in Chicago. Uh, legend. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, those are the types that I like to have on. I I get bangers every now and then, but for the most part, I, I like you know kind of doing what what I like to do with um with the obscure type of guests. Yeah. I mean, uh. I'm looking up Sherholtz right now. I knew exactly who you were talking about, but I was just going to look up his numbers real fast because I had to think about it. But, uh, yeah, he he did have a nice 21 homer year in 13. One of the worst Cubs teams, but 2013 he shined. So there you go. And he was also there in 14, but he played 99 games, had six yeah. homers. But and, and the best, anyways, and he's a real yeah. estate agent now in Arizona. He's a real estate agent. And a lot of players do go into that field. And you know what happens when they go into that field, Will? They have a public email. So, like, it's it's like, mm. you know, you, you know go. they see their email. You know they see it. There's certain guys where, like, they're involved in, like, financial advising or real estate, and you send them an email on that email, and it's like, I know you look at this email for your job. Like there, you have to, right? And I know you see this message, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. a lot of guys don't want to talk about yep. their career, which is interesting. If it was me, I would go on every single podcast, yep. but <laughs> if I was a professional yep. athlete, I would not say no. I'd go on every single <laughs> podcast. I'd go on after games if, if, uh, if it meant that, but, um, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right about the real estate thing because Caleb, uh, Caleb Smith, the former Augusta green jacket, back so i was the yeah, i mean you, i'm sure you know this i was the intern for the green jackets in 2016 media relations marketing stuff so i got to know a lot of the that team obviously and uh caleb was one of the all-stars that year and yeah he's in real estate now i see it on instagram all the time he's in real estate i talked well actually when i first started doing the pod or not even podcasting it talking interviewing with players or whatever matt laporta was one of them and i used to do yeah. it I don't know why I did it this way, but I did it based on I would send my questions to them and then they would just respond and answer form. I don't know why I did it that way, but that's it was working for a few of them. So um, he was one of the ones that I did that with. But and he's doing something in finance, I believe, or was anyways. But, yeah, I've noticed a lot of former players do the real estate or something in financial financial industry but uh is there is there a favorite i mean i I know you like every guest like me i I like everyone i've talked with but is there one that you like the best or um yeah do you have like a bucket list uh interview that you you want to do get list interview that's a good one um i think joe buck would be fun to talk to i've always been a i've been a joe buck supporter since like i i just always thought that he called a good game and you know he battled the nepotism thing and look he is a product of nepotism i don't think i don't think he would even deny that 
Um, but he's he's had such kind of a storied career. I think he's a Hall of Famer in both sports. He's in yeah. in the football Hall of Fame, but he's trying to get into the baseball Hall of Fame these past few years. But he's he's he calls a good game. I never thought he you know maybe if he called a Cardinals series in the postseason, maybe you could see something come out. But other than that, I don't think he had a race. He had a horse in the race. He's someone that I would like to talk to. Um, probably a bunch of others, but in terms of ones that I've liked that I've done already. There's a handful of ones that stick out. I think the one that sticks out, um, Bob Kendrick with the Negro Leagues Museum, who's the president, and Bob took time out of a very busy morning. He he took time the morning of Hank Aaron's funeral and was still able to come on oh, wow. really early with me in the morning and chat not just about Hank Aaron, but also the history of the Negro Leagues Museum and the history of the Negro Leagues. And it was, it was incredible. Um, one of the ones I also enjoyed, John Shea, who I just had on, who's a baseball writer for the Chronicle, who uh, I have shared a press box with, and I've gotten a chance to talk to just a little bit. He was fantastic. We talked about his Willie Mays book, uh, and Dan O'Dowd, who's from MLB Network, who is the Rocky. Mm. Dan O'Dowd is probably one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Um, he's someone that just is so intelligent with the way he explains things, and I watch him on TV now, and I think to myself, God. I mean, he explains things about prospects and about farm systems and about player development. And I've never even heard before. Like he mentioned something so valuable about Colorado um, and how playing in Colorado is probably a disadvantage because sure you get the advantages of playing in Colorado for 81 games. But then when you go to sea level ballparks in that division, like and movement starts to come from the breaking balls and the sliders and the changeups. Like it's hard. It's, it's difficult and it takes a toll physically and mentally. And Dan O'Dowd was the one that explained that on the podcast. And, you know, Sean Estes was great. And Joe Madden was one that kind of came out of nowhere where, oh, um, yeah, you know, he, Madden. he, I, I got one of those random spoof emails that I thought was fake saying, Hey, Joe Madden has a book <laughs> yeah. out, uh, respond if you want media, uh, with him or Tom Verducci. And, <sighs> Uh, I responded okay. back to this email. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm interested, not thinking anything of it, and I didn't know if it was real until... Right. Until the minute... Until the minute I saw him in the waiting room on Zoom. It said iPad 2 <laughs> has entered the waiting room. I'm like, I'm going to get played. This is going to be somebody, like, in the middle of, like, a like a like a Brazilian mafia, yeah. like whatever. What, so I, I, right. I accept them in and then there he is just chilling on his porch or whatever. Um, and yeah, like, there he is. Yeah. So it's not that's fake. Crazy. Yeah. I do remember that. I do remember when he had Joe Madden. I was like, Holy shit. Like what the hell? <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, that might've been where I was like, how is he getting people? But, but like, I, I asked that question too, of like, how do you, how do you get people? Just because, um, you know, I've, I've, I've impressed I've impressed myself in being able to get people I've gotten on and not even doing it in the formal way that you do it. I do it like haphazardly like, hey, you want to come on and do this? Po-? And I'm like, more often than not, they'll say yes or agree to it. And it's really cool. But um, I've gotten just really lucky in that sense of just bugging them on their Twitter DMs, which I guess X now X. I guess I guess I couldn't do it now because of the whole like messaging thing has changed and not like verified or they're not following yeah. me, I should say. So I can't just DM them, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because one of the but, things that uh, I like to do, one of the things that I like like to do, and this is kind of like, you know, for my enjoyment is if I get someone like big, like, so very early on, I think I got, I, I got Nick Swisher to agree. This was very oh, early on. Nice. 
and yeah. it never happened. Never interviewed him. Yeah. But I made the mistake of going out on a limb on Twitter and saying, "We got Nick Swisher coming on the podcast next week. Like, go ahead, drop your questions. Like, this is my first big yeah. one." Um, and yeah. and uh, I think at that point he would have been my first like big league player that I've had, and I think I've had like forty since. But Nick Swisher yeah. um did not answer back a follow up message, which happens. Um, yeah. And from now on, what I do is I don't tell anybody. I, I only tell select people. So like the only time I'll tell someone is if I'm if I'm at school, then I'll record inside the podcast studio in our newsroom. And, you know, I'll tell like a baseball fan or something. I'll go, okay, well, I'm, I'm going on with Alana Rizzo. But other than that, I don't tell a lot of people because uh, I just Same. like the idea of just dropping it on the timeline with no, yeah. like no... um no like when it's out dropping it on the timeline with no yeah. context right just like steven yeah. with yeah. the light and i want to see like people's reaction They're like wow it's kind of, that's kind of like the ego booster in me it's kind of for selfish reasons that i do it yeah, mysteriously sure. um Love but that. in the future i do would like to you know i would like to kind of you know get more people involved with hey i'm having this person on you know what would you want to ask but i'm thinking of doing that more in a smaller group to where you know, not just John Doe replies to that tweet. Uh, people that I know would be uh, would be able to put in some good quality questions. Yeah, I love that idea too. Like I, I did that once with Chad Cordero, the former Washington Nationals closer, yep. about two or so years ago. Uh, Instagram, he he agreed, and I was like, oh, awesome! Like, how about Tuesday or whatever? And then I didn't hear back, and I didn't I didn't really ask him again, not because I was like mad. I was just like, whatever, it's cool. But I just I just haven't gone around to being like, hey, by the way, you want to do this again? Because uh, you know, I've had people who uh, either initially I didn't hear from, or they didn't re- very very rarely, but they might say nah. But then they ended up coming on anyway, so I could ask them again. I just haven't, but um, yeah, I, I did the same thing. I don't really I don't really make a point of. Uh, announcing it i'll just do it anyway i did definitely want to get your thoughts on the baseball uh off season so far the just in insane we've really never seen anything like this type of off season before i mean we've seen teams spend money we see it in every sport uh people liked you know back in the day the yankees the evil empire the whole thing with you know trying to buy a world series and all that crap but i mean what the dodgers are doing and much to your you know disdain i'm sure i mean i know you fall i know you're a fan but i know more importantly you're covering the giants professionally so you still have like a different probably perspective and lens but uh either way uh the dodgers are (laughs) i keep making the joke you've seen it i'm sure on twitter about you know, the D-backs swept the uh, Dodgers, and it's like that Michael Jordan, I took that personally. The Dodgers have taken that personally or something because we've never seen – I don't think we've ever seen a team spend a billion bucks basically in an offseason. It's Christmas, and they're, they've already gotten, you know, the best in Otani, Yamamoto. They've got freaking Tyler Glass now. Now there's rumors they might get Class A from Cleveland. It doesn't end. They just keep going at it. Don't know if they're going to win the World Series, obviously. They're probably going to at least win hundred and six games or whatever maybe they'll win 130 who knows but uh are you what's your reaction are you like this has to stop baseball has to do a salary cap they have to you can't do this this deferral thing with payments and paying otani 680 million years from now or are you like one of the few that are like maybe not saying it's great for baseball like we've seen a lot of writers saying but they're kind of I think trying to draw up that angle of hey it's good to have a team like LA that we can all hate on or they're the villain where where do you come off on all this stuff so far 
Yeah, I, I think they might be considered the villain for those reasons that you kind of just mentioned. But in my personal opinion, I think it's fair game. I, I really do. I think it's fair mm-hmm. game. I don't think like other teams have the chance to do this too, but they're not. Um, and, and they're not for a variety of reasons. Number one, they don't have the, the foundation that the Dodgers have set up. They've made significant free agent signings and trades before this season to before this off season, right? They, you know, they, they made the trade for Mookie Betts. They make the signing for Freddie Freeman. Um, they've developed talent, Josh Outman, Walker Bueller. Uh, they, they, they have, you know, Gavin Lux, if he's going to be healthy and playing, you know, so they, they have a business model right now that every team would want. Um, and it's, it's not bad for baseball. I don't know if it's good for baseball. I think we'll, we'll see, but it's not bad for baseball. It's completely fair game. Like who's to say that the Dodgers can't go ahead and build a juggernaut team. Like there's no rule in the rule book saying that the Dodgers can't build a 2017 golden state warriors like club, uh, and good for them. You know, they're, they're doing it. And and I understand the whole argument where it's like, they're, they're just going to lose in the division, the division series. Like, yeah, that's a historic thing that's happened in the past 10 years uh, a few times. But at the same time, they're giving themselves a chance in the postseason, right? That I mean, there there are 29 other rosters, maybe 28 or 27 to be more more likely, that would trade everything to trade places with the Dodgers right now. And, uh, and, and those are kind of the fan bases that are using that point where it's like, you know, I've heard Giants fans say, well, they're going to lose in the, the first round anyways. And it's like, you would, you would trade everything to get that roster. So you can't be saying that. Um, and, uh, I mean, I mean the way they're set up now, I think with Otani, I, I wasn't surprised. I think we saw kind of how they were doing this last off season where they didn't spend a whole lot. I think they got JD Mar- uh, Martinez. They got Jason Hayward. I think that was pretty much the extent of their offseason shopping last season. Um, and we kind of said, you know, maybe they're saving up for Otani. And uh, they had $700 million to throw at him. Like you mentioned, $680 million deferred. And the minute I saw how much was deferred, I immediately said that Yamamoto was going to sign there. Like, it just made too much sense with yeah. the deferred money. Um, once right. that money was completely deferred, it was a you know, a perfect fate for Yamamoto. And there's times where I thought that maybe the New York teams are going to swoop in. I think the Yankees had some rumors towards the end. I think the Mets with Steve Cohen and the dinner. Um, and, and you never know until the deal sealed, but, um, yeah, definitely, uh, an intriguing, uh, intriguing off season for them so far. A lot of money. Yeah. Uh, do you think baseball is going to make any kind of role about this whole deferral thing? Or is it just, hey, they made it work, it can work, and they're not going to mess with it? No, I don't think they'll make a role. I think the reason being is because the Dodgers are eventually going to have to pay that. Like, it, It's not like they're not going to pay it. They're eventually going to have to pay it, and they have to take that out of their resources. I don't know the exact rules with the CBT and, and how much that will happen, but... I think they're going to work like hell in these next 10 years to be prepared for that. You know, whether it be the, the Jersey sales, whether it be the gate sales and the Dodgers with or without Otani, they're going to sell out every night. They already do. Um, and they got to prepare for the endorsements, right? The Dodgers are now going to have an entire country that are, are going to be fixated on their games. They have two megastars from Japan. Now 
Everybody over there is going to be fixated on the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are now Japan's team. Senga is somewhere else. Suzuki is somewhere else. But this is where it's at for Japanese fans to watch. And I think that's what people need to understand. And with that comes the unlimited amount of endorsements that the Dodgers are going to receive, that they could put around the stadium, that they could put in the TV deal somewhere. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not a marketing genius. But they're going to make, maybe not break even, but if you're in sports management to break even, then sell the team because you're an idiot. Yeah, because uh, nobody's gonna, nobody should have that goal to break even. But uh, it's gonna be worth I it think for them. That's... I really believe it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. People, every fan base would take this right now. It doesn't guarantee anything, but at the very least, I mean, they should be a playoff team. We, that's, that's putting it mildly. Obviously, something would have to go Mets like catastrophic to not make the playoffs. This team is stacked. Um, you know, even if Otani never pitches again, even if Yamamoto doesn't work out, it's not like they're really going to fall apart, I don't think. I mean, it's a lot of money, but they're just too stacked. They're all over the place. You have stars everywhere. So we'll see if it actually translates into winning a World Series again. But uh, every fan base would definitely take it. But, you know, I kind of thought about it from this perspective as well. If you had Otani on, whether it's the, the Dodgers, you had Yamamoto in New York, you had Glass now in whether it's Tampa, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's whoever. It's like, okay, we don't know if this quote-unquote super team is going to work out, but it's kind of like, okay, they're all on that one team now, and there's still a lot of really good baseball teams that are out there. There's still a lot of big free agents that are out there. There's still lots of moves to be had. So it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like, um, I'm not saying Dodgers versus the field, but there's still a good chance for other teams to still come out on top or, or be really good and knock LA off their pedestal, whatever. Uh, it's kind of like, do you, do you uh, spread out the talent or do you put them all on one side and then you still have other teams that are still going to try to knock them off? You know what I'm saying? It's, it doesn't mean LA's won anything yet. It just means they have a pretty good chance going into spring training like everyone else kind of, but we'll see how it all plays. But I get it. If I was, any other fan base, I would definitely... I mean, I am a different fan base. I am definitely like, man, what are the Cubs going to do? But I knew they were never going to seriously spend the type of money that LA has spent. And whether or not they could, I don't know. I mean, we all say they're billionaires, but I get it. There are budgets. There are you know physical responsibility in place for these teams as well. But LA is making it work. They're able to bring up players. They're able to sign, acquire big-time players. So for the Giants, where do they pivot now? What's their what's their next move, or what is their move? I know they got they just got Jung Hoo Lee, which the name escaped me as I literally randomly brought him up. But yeah, there you go. I mean, are you excited for him, or uh, is it? I mean, obviously he comes with a track record of success, right? You never really know how that's going to translate in in America, right? Yeah, he's a good player, and I think he's going to be a good addition. And the Giants, you know, in terms of how this relates to them, how the Yamamoto and the Otani, I mean, it's just another, you know, two more guys that they missed out on. And this is going back a very long ways now. This is going back to John Lester and Zach Granke and Giancarlo Stanton, Bryce Harper, Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge. I mean, the list... Otani the first time. I mean, the the list goes on and on and on, and 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 it's not a destination right now. It's not at all. I mean, that's 
that's not that it shouldn't be, but it's just, it's reality. San Francisco is not a destination. It's not a place where players want to come uh, because the organization, and I don't want to like, I don't think it's because the city and all that stuff that we've heard recently. I think that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is your team is just average, right? The Giants are an average team. Uh, they have been the past few years. And if free agents had a choice between the Dodgers or even Arizona, who picked up a few free agents this offseason, then they're going to go there. I mean, the Giants, they haven't put out anything on the field that will attract free agents. There hasn't been that entertainment factor. Uh, and, and with Jung-Hoo Lee, uh, this is a good step. It, it's a positive step getting him over here. And he was an MVP in Korea. He's won gold gloves in Korea. Um, and now the, the, the only thing is Korea is not an established uh, or I shouldn't say Korea is not an established. It's a big league. It's a big league organization, but a lot of people kind of have it as equivalent to double A AA or triple A uh, in terms of talent. And there will be an adjustment. He's going to have to adjust. And in my mind, I don't know how much of an issue that's going to be because I think great players can adjust to any environment. And Jung Hoo Lee was a great player and, and found success in Korea by making adjustments. I think he's good enough to come here to make adjustments. Um, and did they overpay for him? Yes. But what is free agency? What is the definition okay. of free agency? It's overpaying for 30-year-olds. And in this case, Jung Hoo Lee's 25. So give yeah. him the money. Um, you know, get him over here. He's, he's here, a six-year deal, opt out after four years. It's a good start. If they were to go into the season tomorrow with just Jung Ho Lee as their only addition that they made, and they signed a backup catcher, Tom Murphy or something, if if those two guys were the only ones that you're going into the season with after this offseason, then yeah, it's probably a failure of an offseason, which is why I think the pivot is Blake Snell. Blake Snell's your guy, right? He's the best pitcher on the market. They didn't get Yamamoto. I don't know how many of the big market teams are going to pivot to Blake Snell after losing out on Yamamoto. I'm talking about the Mets, the Yankees, the you know, maybe the Cubs, the, you know, what other teams are involved. Um, that's who you go get uh, is, is Blake Snell. You know, I don't know how, you know, I don't know Marcus Stroman, Jordan Montgomery. They have a similar market. I think before you get those guys, you go and trade for a Corbin Burns or you trade for a Dylan Cease. Uh, but the Giants, they want to get another arm and they want to maybe get another position player. But um, yeah, if it's just Jung Hoo Lee, then that's still not enough, but it's a good start. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the, the Cubs and Giants are kind of in a similar, I think the fan base is just kind of, they're both looking at the team and going, what are we going to do? Or who are we going to sign? I saw also the Angels are apparently making uh, Snell their top priority as well. I don't know why he'd go there unless they just overpaid like crazy. You know, the Angels, that team was them. so good. Oh, man, they're they're just horrible. I mean... They won the World Series in 2002. I mean, I'm obviously who look who I'm telling, but they won it all in 20 uh, in 2002, and then they had really good teams. I remember I went to uh, Old Timers Day at Yankee Stadium. It was Yankees Angels in 2008. That was one of those stacked hundred plus win Angels teams. And since about 2000 and well, I don't know what was it 2000 and was it 14? Mike Trout finally got to the playoffs, but they were swept by just, the Royals in 14. Team. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the Royals, I mean, they're a blip on the radar now, but they had two really good years, back-to-back pennants, won the World Series in 15. Um, yeah, baseball is strange sometimes. I mean, would you and rather the one be... thing about Kansas City, yeah, the one thing about Kansas City, they're interesting this offseason. They made additions. They made, like, a few additions to their pitching staff. And, like, the Angels, like, they've had off seasons where it's like, 
we're gonna add Anthony Rendon, and then boom, problem yeah. solved. Like the, the the Royals, they're adding like little pieces here and there, like a Michael Walker there and a Chris Stratton in the bullpen. Like they're doing it occasionally. Well, the Angels, like they just go, okay, Josh Hamilton's gonna solve everything. Rendon's gonna solve everything, and they don't complete the roster. Artie Moreno is like unable to like. Who was the last player that was developed out of their system besides Mike Trout, who was good? Can't yeah, even. exactly. Was exactly. Jared, was, was Jared Weaver? Was Jared Weaver uh, coming up through the system? It, that was like twenty years ago. Now. But yeah, no, you're yeah, right. I, know, right. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> he's like the the one name that popped in my mind. Yeah, you know Anthony Rendon. I thought uh, I thought the Nationals were should have kept Rendon and I thought Strasburg like he had that really great 2009 they mean they, they were both good 19 but Strasburg was great and then Strasburg basically never pitched again and his I think retired oh, and Rendon yeah. can't stay healthy but at least for the Nats you know yeah they went into their rebuild since then but I think they're coming back out of that now soon and at least they won it all in 19 with the guys that you know they had uh Juan Soto I mean talk about you know just I don't know. It's been a crazy offseason. Um, I did think the Dodgers were probably going to end up with Otani. I did not necessarily think Yamamoto, although it made sense, like you said, with the whole deferring the payments. Uh, the, I thought the Cubs were in on glass now, and then apparently, nope. I mean, maybe they were, but then the Dodgers swooped in, made that trade happen. Uh, it's 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 kind of incredible what the Dodgers have become, and yet all they have to show for it is 2020. And I don't know if, if we have a full season in 2020. I don't know if they still win it. I don't know if they get to the playoffs like normal and something happens they don't win so i don't know would you rather be would you rather be the dodgers that have you know pretty much guaranteed division title every single year and then you don't win at all like take that chance or would you rather be the team like i don't know um i'm trying to think of a random team because the braves are stacked now they won it all a couple years ago texas looks really good obviously right now but i don't know would you would you rather be like the royals (laughs) to kind of have like just sucky records every year and they finally get really good for a couple of years and back to what they are now but at least you can say hey we won the world series we had two really good teams back to back or would you rather be the dodgers i know they won it all in 2020 but it seems like it feels like they should have won more by now and they have been to the series a couple of times they ran into houston they ran into boston but if you're a dodgers fan you're probably not you're not feeling too bad right now but obviously every october that they don't win it's like they're devastated too. So, I don't know. Yeah, the, the, I don't really have a question yeah. there, I guess. But <laughs> it, it does seem like like it, it. So I'm gonna pick the Dodgers, obviously. But I do see the intrigue with a team like Kansas City, where it's like, in a lot of ways, you have a blank canvas if you're an executive. Um, and I, I would go with the Dodgers only because they. Whether they win the World Series or not, they're giving themselves a chance to win the World Series. They're giving themselves the best chance to go into a postseason series and win it. Um, you know, and, and it, that's all you could ask for. Okay, the postseason. I understand it's a crapshoot, uh, and I understand you know there's some new disadvantages with with the new um, postseason format. No team really has an advantage now in the postseason, right? The wild card teams got to play the extra series, and the teams that win the division have to sit on their ass, right, for like a week. So it's kind of like not an equal playing field, but not also, you know, that break is not a good thing that we have seen, right? It's not a good thing. And teams are complaining about it. And I don't know how you could change that. That's a different conversation. But 
you know, I, I, I think the Dodgers give themselves the best chance to go in the postseason and have success because as much as luck is involved, I think, you know, you still got to have some, some talent and, uh, you know, Texas, they had a very high price middle infield that finally got the job done this year. And they had a rotation that was very much bought with Evaldi and Montgomery and when Scherzer was still healthy and they DeGrom would have been a part of that. And John Gray was a part of that. And Andrew Heaney, like all these guys are bought. They had a rotation that was completely makeshifted from free agency and trade. And they won the World Series. And they did it with a mix of young players too. The left fielder, I'm blanking on his name. Um, the third baseman, Josh Young. Uh, uh, Nate Lowe. I mean, this is a, a good constructed team that is, you know, in a lot of ways, their success is bought. Evan Carter. His name's Evan Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Evan Carter. Oh yeah, he was he was he was a rookie. He played twenty three games regular yep. season and then playoffs. The the funny thing with the Royals, I think this is where it kind of started, where they had that very dominant bullpen, and then all of a sudden you heard about teams like the Yankees having like a super bullpen, having basically two or three closers, and it was kind of like a copycat thing where this team made it work, this team's going to go for it, you know, this team, uh, and it's kind of you know. Whatever the model for success was, teams want to emulate that for good reason. Um, I remember that, and then, and that's what was funny was, uh, you know, 2016 World Series. You're seeing guys like you know Corey Kluber. I mean, he was throwing you know tons of innings as a starter, but uh, Cleveland was doing the whole bullpen thing too. They had a dominant bullpen, obviously, and yeah, it's it's, it's just funny how. Uh, the Royals just kind of caught I, – I won't say caught lightning in a bottle because they had a really good roster and two really good years there. And even 2016, they started out pretty well before it kind of fell apart. But I was going to ask you, do you have any – did you ever interact with Bruce Bochy specifically? No. So Bruce Bochy predates me. Um, I was there during two years, three years actually, of Gabe Kapler. Um, I did not ever get a chance to – I have met him multiple times um, mm-hmm. as a as a fan of the Giants at some of the fan events, and yeah. um, I sat in when he returned to San Francisco. I sat in on a press conference that he did in the dugout, but uh, not regularly. No, I did uh, actually. I just remembered. I, I did actually interact with his brother Joe in Augusta. Mm. He's a scout, um, right? I think I. Yeah, I don't know if he's still there or still a scout or not, but yeah, he was a scout, and. Uh, I think he was from like the Northern Virginia area. Cause I, I know I mentioned or must've said, Hey, yeah, I live in Virginia or whatever, but um, yeah, it was cool. I and mean, he was like, yeah, if you're trying to get a job, like, I mean, obviously he wasn't saying, yeah, we'll just hook you up. Obviously it wasn't the case. And I realized too, it doesn't matter who I was talking to who might say, Oh yeah, like here's my card. You still have to go through the, the typical interview process. They're not giving you any kind of leg up or, or whatever. But uh, he was like, yeah, it'd be cool if like, or, I don't know. It was like, yeah, you know, if you're trying to uh, get a full-time job, like, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how he put it. But I, I realized even then I was like, yeah, even though he's saying all the cool things right now, it doesn't mean anything. Like, I still have to interview and, and uh, go through the typical process. It's not like he has any real sway. But, yeah, uh, Joe Bochy and Logan Webb was on that team, although he, I think, left for Tommy John surgery early in that year. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realize he was going to become the uh, – the ace that he has pretty much become for the Giants. And then, do you know my Lucius Fox story? <laughs> no, Lucius Fox is a name that uh, I haven't heard in a while. He yeah. was traded in the uh, I don't I want to say it was the uh, Longoria <laughs> trade or the um 
or it was trade? um Matt Moore. Matt, Matt Moore. Moore trade. Okay, it was but one the of them. The Giants had two yeah. trades that I get mixed up. <laughs> yeah. What happened with yeah. Lucius? So okay, so 2006, so 2000, 2016 trade deadline. Um, I remember. I guess I was in the clubhouse or something, and uh, it was Lucius or maybe it was oh, Michael no. Santos. They were both getting traded together, but they were both like in the in the clubhouse. So I think I, I don't remember, but I think everyone else was on the field and they were just in there. And I think I had heard rumors already or rumblings that a trade might be happening and they were in the clubhouse I think or at least one of them was and I was like hey like what's going on and I think Santos was like I think we're getting traded or something like that and uh sure enough he was going I think they were were they both going to Tampa I'm trying to remember but they were Santos both getting traded too, I think yeah. they were yeah and um anyway so they got traded and it was crazy because going into the year the two people that everybody was uh, really excited for was Full Bickford and Lucius Fox and they both got traded that same season and um with lucius fox you know he was the guy that had a million whatever it was dollar signing bonus and the cool watch i mean he was he seemed like a really cool guy uh but sure enough he got dealt and i think if i remember correctly i think defense was kind of an issue for him initially or i don't know if it was defense i think he had a lot of errors but actually no i think it was the offense i think he wasn't hitting very well it was you know low a single a ball in 16 he was probably just you know adjusting but Anyway, the story goes, I'm in the car, because I would drive, I was the intern, I would drive these guys to the airport when they got demoted, promoted, whatever. Um, I mean, I remember I was even driving around, uh, oh, the name is escaping me right now. I think his dad is still the replay guy for the Giants. Um, Sean Dunstan Sean Jr. Dunstan. Uh, yeah. Had like, yeah, it was, it was Dunstan, yeah. And then Sean Dunstan Jr., I like messed up his foot or something. So he was in a boot and he was going back to Arizona for rehab or whatever. And I remember I was driving him around one day going to his apartment to get his stuff and kind of whatever, <laughs> kind of just talking and driving around town. But uh, the Lucius Fox story was he, I'm taking him to the airport and I don't know what, I don't know how this came up now, but he had mentioned to me that he was hurt or injured. And I was like, really? I didn't know you were injured because I kind of kept up on the roster stuff too. I had to uh, get all the rosters updated every day for the, press box and stuff like that so I was pretty on top of the rosters and uh I didn't know he was hurt but I remembered a game or prior like a game or so before that that he had I think fouled a ball off his foot or something and kind of hobbled around or kind of messed him up there I think that was the play so I didn't know he was hurt but he mentioned that and I was like oh yeah okay so anyway it was literally like the very next day on Yahoo News I see how the Rays and the Giants there's like like apparently the Rays thought the Giants were trying to screw them over on the Lucius Fox trade because he was injured and they didn't know it or something. And I was like, he just literally told me this in the car yesterday. Like I know the story, and so it was just hilarious that um, that uh, you know here it is. This trade is potentially hung up because of an injury, and I'm the one that he told the injury about. Like I, I remembered it, and he told me about it. So it was nothing crazy, but it was just kind of crazy to see it on on the uh, the internet the next day. Like oh yeah, like. He literally just told me about this too. <laughs> Damn, Will, you're out here like ruining trades now for for big league teams. Yeah. You are a trade. That's what I do. Well, uh, luckily, you, yeah, you're a deal breaker. <laughs> well, the trade went through easily. The, they realized, you know, okay, the Giants didn't even know. They didn't know any more than the Rays did. So it all worked out well. But uh, anyway, yeah, it was just hilarious that uh, I happened to just be the one person he was chatting with, and it was like, oh, okay, but. Yeah, it was it was fun. That was a fun season, but uh, but yeah. So 
you said before that you're not sure if you'll be covering the I guess covering the Giants this year or kind of what the the situation will be there. Yeah, so uh, I joined SF Bay in 2021 um, and started doing games uh, for the remainder of the year at about 15, and then I had full season credentials in 2022 and 2023, and it's basically a, a website that gives kind of uh, college writers a chance to get their feet wet. And when I first started, it was like very good. You know, there was 49ers coverage, there was Warriors coverage, Sharks coverage. Uh, in the last few years, uh, it's kind of uh, been a little tougher, but I think I'm ready to move on. Um, it's uh, the, the site has quieted down just a little bit. Um, and now I think the Giants are the only coverage that's on that site. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, and my, my editor has been we still have a landline here. Sorry that my editor is, <laughs> is, uh, is someone who, uh, always says that, uh, the goal for SF Bay is to get out of SF Bay. So it's a nice uh, stepping stone and I'll be graduating college in the spring. Um, and I have another side thing with the giants sports illustrated site, uh, giants baseball insider. I'll do that until I graduate. And then when I start looking for a full-time job, uh, I'll probably drop all of that. And then, uh, once I get it, we'll, go into a different era of my career but um it's been a good good three years um i likely probably won't will be looking for something else just because i'm graduating um and uh i'll be looking for for other stuff and uh that that kind of begins right now are you basically hoping that you're like covering a team like let's say for the athletic or are you thinking tv or kind of just something in sports media yeah, I think something in sports media. Like, I I don't have any experience in TV. My major actually is print online journalism. Uh, I think it would be cool to be a beat writer. I understand that a lot of um, people that have that position, I've had them on the podcast. We've talked about it. It's tough. It's not easy. Uh, but yeah. if it is doable, it's doable when you're young and you have energy. And I have a lot of energy. I have a lot of desire with you know my career. I have a lot of goals. And I would love to be on a beat. I would love to do that every day. I live and breathe baseball. Um, and, um, you know, that would be so awesome to do that. But I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to check to see the opportunities in, you know, in the Bay Area and then the opportunities in California. And then if, you know, a good opportunities outside, you know, if I'm going to pounce on it. You know, if, if I get something saying that, you know, the, the Cubs have a beat writer position open. I'm going to go, hell yeah, let's go right for Will Chase's favorite team. And then we'll go yeah. that, that route. And if the, if the, if I apply for the Richmond flying squirrels internship, I'm going to follow in the, the footsteps <laughs> of Will Chase. So all of, there's a lot of options, you know, I'm not in a position where I could be picky or selective. So, um, I guess we're just going to have to see, but I'm going to graduate first, get out of college, and then we'll uh, figure out the rest later. But it's been a good stepping stone. I've made a lot of good connections and gotten some reps in. Yeah, if you come here to Richmond, <laughs> which I know you won't have to, but if you did come to Richmond and you're whatever doing whatever with the squirrels or even just in town, happen to be in town, and we're at a squirrels game, I'm like – pretty close to the stadium so but uh have you ever <laughs> you're just gonna wake you. up one you're have gonna you wake ever... up one day and there's gonna be a moving truck outside your house and i'm just gonna be pushing furniture yep. into your home so I, I i just hope you're prepared <laughs> for that me and jeff young i'm in an apartment so if you're if you're in the apartment next door that's cool <laughs> <laughs> well no we're, we're gonna be roommates yeah yeah <laughs> have you met jeff young i have not met jeff young but it's on my i know he's listening because i know like you and him have yeah. just an inseparable bond that are very close. <laughs> and uh and uh and I know he's listening. 
and I'm a big fan of Jeff Young. I think Jeff works his absolute behind off. Uh, it's something that I look up to for sure. He gives great analysis and uh, not met him. He's in Nevada, I believe. Um, but I see him and his dog all the time and him and his, him, his dog and his articles all the time. Yep. Yeah. It's funny. I believe Jeff and I, I think the, uh, interaction started like, I remember when I was behind the green jacket, social media, Twitter, whatever. I think I remember seeing Jeff then. And I think we did interact a few times on Twitter at that point, like legitimate baseball stuff. And now, as you know, 99.9% of our interaction, me and Jeff, it's just complete nonsense. Like hardly ever anything legitimately legit, unless we're doing a podcast and then it's like legit stuff. But I mean, we'll just text the most random stupid stuff. But uh, yeah, it started, it started up here and then it's just all gone here. But no, it's, it's always fun to interact with Jeff also. (laughs) He's a legend. He's he's a legend. He again does really good work and I enjoy being thrown into those conversations too. So (laughs) I'm glad you do because I always it's always hit or miss. You never really know. You don't want to bug the person on Twitter, but sometimes I'll sometimes if a, if someone's in the middle of a tweet and they're not really engaging, I'm like I'm gonna take them off because I don't want to bug them too much. But I figure you or even like Taylor, where you know Taylor, right? I think he Taylor's uh, a very he's, good he's friend been, of mine. He's yeah, he's one of my mentors yeah. in the industry. I talk to Taylor all the nice. time. I, I talked with him a couple of years ago too. I think he was with was uh, with FS, SF Bay at one point. Like that's right. I think we he's, talked he's two or three years ago for me to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was cool too, and uh, we talked about him covering the Super Bowl and the Niners. I believe it was the Niners were there against the uh, yes, thirty-one twenty. Okay, yeah, it yeah. was the Chiefs. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I was. I thought it was the Chiefs, and then I just was like, wait, was it? But anyway, well, Stephen, it's been awesome to chat with you. Was there anything else that we didn't get into that you wanted to mention or or bring up real fast? No, man, this is great. Um, I, I hope you uh, you and your family have a very good, happy holidays. And I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate um, uh, all the conversation that we've had on Twitter, on here. This is a fun convo and uh, definitely uh, a big fan of anybody that's doing podcasts. And like you mentioned, I think ours are similar. So I always like seeing what you're up to. You do a really good job. And it's something for, for me to take from everybody that I see I take a little bit so just know that uh, RizzoCast has some Will Chase influence so I just want you to know that that's awesome is there anything specific that comes to mind it's okay no not not specific (laughs) but um just I I like how you pick the brain of media people um because that's something that I have done very heavily the past few episodes I've had a lot of minor league broadcasters on um uh, Trey Wilson from Richmond, actually, ironically. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Trey. Yeah, yeah. Zach Bay Rudy was the next episode. Alana Rizzo, John uh, Johnny Dosco. So just a, like four straight episodes of broadcasting stuff, and um, and uh, whenever I see you get media people on, I always go like, you know what? He's got a good idea. You know, bring some more media people on, and don't always aim for the uh, the players. But um, it, it's good because I know a lot of people that listen to me. Uh, always mention that they want to go into broadcasting. So uh, it's good to get that point of view. Yeah, I think the broadcasting element, I've really uh, come to really appreciate all the people that do broadcasting, whether professionally or whatever. It's really cool. I think it's so underrated because, you know, anyone can talk, but I listen to people on the radio and I'm thinking, I couldn't do that. Like, I, I mean, I'm doing this for fun as it is. You're you're legitimately going into the industry. You are in, in the industry. But like, for me, it's like cool that I'm even like, it's cool that you just said what you just said because, you know, I'm doing this as a hobby. I'm not like 
yeah, if I got into a career someday, cool, but I don't really see it necessarily happening, but I'm still, it's still cool that I'm doing it just like this. And, uh, so it's cool that if there is anything I've done that you've kind of taken with you, that's cool because I think the same way. And I also think it's cool that you've gotten so many players because I haven't had a chance really to, uh, interact with a lot of different players, but I think it's cool that you've gotten so many former players, current, whichever the case may be. I think, I think that's pretty awesome also. Yeah, no, without a doubt. They're a lot of fun and the off season is the time to get them. Um, and uh, the cool thing about players is that I feel like a connection then afterwards. And like, for example, yesterday was a big day for Rizzo cast alumni. Luis Gonzalez took a minor league deal with the Yankees. It almost feels like I'm an agency and I represent players because it's like watching them move on. And Glasnow got yeah. traded to his, you know, his hometown and, and Gonzalez goes to the Mets and somebody else, something else happened with uh, somebody that I've had on. Uh, somebody signed somewhere or something, but um, things are happening. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it is cool to see. Well, thanks again. Uh, happy holidays to you guys and your family and everything. And uh, yeah, this was like long overdue. It was me slacking. I was just like, we're going to do it. I'm going to get get back to you on it. And finally, I said, let's do this. So I'm glad we finally did. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, and uh, you're welcome that I did not Bob Costas you because I would never. <laughs> Hello, uh, I would have just been like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have just been like, oh, screw that. But no, seriously, uh, really cool. We'll, we'll do this again as well. For sure. I'll be ready anytime. Three, two, one, zero, 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 and lift